Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to a special bonus episode of the Paul Ryder Tapes, featuring an interview with Paul's Los Angeles collaborator, British musician Matt Cheadle. Okay, can you tell me a little bit about you and your musical credentials and where you come from and who you've played with? So I, originally from London and I've been out here in LA for 20 years now, I am a guitar player, but I'm also a singer and I also have enough bass and keys and other things to get by in the studio. So I play a bunch of different stuff. Over the years, some of the people I play with, I, I was in Paul Young's band in the UK for late 90s to the early 2000s. So four or five years I played with him. I toured a couple of times with Natalie and Brulia down in Australia. In fact, I didn't think it was just the once, but it was quite a long trip, so... Feels like twice. <laughs> Felt like twice. No, 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 it didn't. No, and certainly not in a bad way. It was a great, we had a great time. I mean, the, the band was brilliant. We had so much fun. We, we wore out our livers, that's for sure. Um, that <laughs> but, um, maybe that's what I'm getting at. It felt like a lifetime just because it was, there was a lot of drinking going on. But we had a great time and she was brilliant. And I went with other people, all sorts of different people from Lisa Stansfield to Engelbert Humperdinck with then Jericho. So I worked with Steve Levine, the producer, for quite a while in the late 90s I was his guitar player for a while so I, I played on records by Louise Nerding by the Honeys um, a bunch you've of been around, you've been around you've been around a bit yeah, I've done a bit and I do my own stuff too I've got my own I do I like to I write my own stuff some of it is indie rock kind of things and other stuff is sort of more Americana and some of it is just more straight ahead rock pop so just yeah lots of different stuff do you want to start off maybe by talking about when you very first met him do you remember the, the, yeah. the time when you first well, met I think him? It, I was looking at the the files and stuff they were 2009 so oh wow I'm guessing that's when we met you 
we came we were... to the end of 2008 so we must have yeah we met you the easter after we came oh wow that was our that was the first six months that we were here yeah i think it was really early on and it was really cool for me because obviously you know the mondays over there if you grew up in that period in england it's a, it's, a, it's they were a big deal so i was excited and sort of you know a little nervous i suppose and you guys were lovely. He was super cool and it was really nice. And we made some arrangements for him to come around to here and started. we started writing. We did, basically, it was really just two songs. The first one we did was Scandalised. And to this day, it still doesn't have any melody in the verse. It's just an instrumental verse and then mm. the chorus. And there's probably... There's middle eight bits and all kinds of other stuff. It's been a while since I've heard that song, actually. But the idea was, and I'm sure you remember, was that he had his plan to ask Ian Brown, and I think was the main character, if he yeah. wanted to to write and sing a verse. And I'm assuming he wanted he left it blank so that whoever yeah. came in to do it would have a vested interest in the song and would have a piece yeah. of the song, which would make it more attractive rather than just, hey, do you want to sing on this thing that I've written? Yeah. Um, sadly, of course, it never happened, and I think a few other names were were in the mix as well. But I, I do you remember what the other name? Who the other names were? Mm, no, it might have been Ruetta. It might have been oh, her. Okay. Yeah, I know it's a completely different thing from Ian, obviously. But yeah, well, we might know. still be able to get some vocals on it. Who yeah. knows? We're going to play the song in its current form, probably at the end of this show, actually. Well, we did, we did scandalise, and then, then we did Real World, which we started and finished. Hmm. Um, really pleased with that song. Yeah. Uh, I was the way it came out. I love what, I mean, it was really interesting writing with Paul because he did things completely differently than I would have done, you know, and it was always nice. I remember years ago, I used to write songs with uh, a fellow called Neville Henry from the Blow Monkeys. Do you remember the Blow Monkeys? Yeah, I do. And um, he was a Scottish, he's a sax player, and he came from a sort of dance background too not dancing background, a electronic music dance background. Yeah. So he had a completely different take on how to write songs. You start with a groove and build it up, and then there were little hooks that you throw in. Whereas me, as a sort of singing guitar player, would sort of do it in more traditional style, you know, sing the guitar and strum the chords and yeah. um, and do it that way. So Paul brought a different element into it. You know, there was like, I've got this idea, and we'd set up a groove, and then he'd throw down a little bass line, and then I'd sort of try and figure out what chords were there. And then he had some rough ideas for melodies and stuff. So real world sort of just sort of became, I can't remember whether he came along with the actual finished melody and lyrics and stuff, or whether we worked on it ourselves, because it's a long time ago now. Mm. Funnily enough, it was, it was November the 4th is the first day we started that, which is almost to the day. Yeah, remember the day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in 2009. So the first thing, there's a thing on Logic that says created wow. when the was first created and it says 11 4 2009 so that's kind of serendipitous in itself yeah we just there's a bit in it that sounds like the Isley Brothers because he was big into that so we wanted a lot of sort of old school R&B stuff and some soul some dance elements and a few rock things as well and so we managed to put all that in and I came up with this sort of bridge hook where I sang falsetto like it was going to be female singing stuff which weaved in and out over the top and the whole thing came together really nicely and it was a really cool song. And I really liked it and I was actually really proud of that. And I'm really glad that I got to do that with Paul. I thought it yeah. was wicked. So that did was a really nice. 
didn't Cat do backing vocals on that song? Well, I th- well, th- there are high, very high voices on there, and I'm I'm singing some of them. There's a oh, there's a possibility I could look on the file that's on the session and have a look. There's a possibility that she's doing that too. Yeah, I think absolutely. she did. I said that she did. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, then let's go with that. <laughs> No, I'm pretty sure she did. I mean, I don't think I would have just invented that in my head. Um, yeah, yeah, she didn't possible. sing live with you, but she, I, I remember no, standing no. next to her when you were performing that song yeah, and saying that this the... is really good. Okay, let's have a listen to the song that he's talking about. This is called Real World.
So Matt played that song with Paul on a mini US tour that they did supporting Chris France and Tina Weymouth's Tom Tom Club in 2010. They were joined on stage by his French collaborator Eddie Gronfier on keyboards and programming and Neo Noise from Mexican Smith's tribute band Elos Smith's on drums. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. We did two gigs. We did one in San Francisco. So we were opening up for the Tom Tom Club. So mm. Chris and Tina, who had produced the Mondays, right? Yeah. I think back in the day. So they were very close friends. We drove all the way up to San Francisco on a, I want to say a Friday afternoon, Friday morning for our gig, and then came back after the gig. So it, 400 mile, no, 800 mile round trip, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's just, it's 370 miles, whatever. I don't know. So call it 750 yeah. mile round trip with a gig in the middle of it. We got home at like five o'clock in the morning. And that was the first gig, and it was great. I forget what the venue was, but it, it was somewhere downtown, very cool place. And it was sold out because obviously Tom Tom Club were, you know, had a big following. And you know, we were obviously knackered, having driven all day to get there, but it was great. <clears throat> and then we hung around, we watched a bit of their set, had a beer or two, and then drove back. And then I think the, we played in LA on the, I want to say the Sunday night, I think it was. Oh, so sure. we got back early Saturday morning, and then and then Sunday I think we played. And it was in Echo Park. I remember that. A, yeah. Tell yeah. me about the the lineup of the of the band at that point. Oh, there was Neo on drums. It was interesting actually because Paul was singing, not playing bass, just singing, and I was playing guitar and singing backgrounds. What there was of them. So two Englishmen. We had a Frenchman Eddie playing keyboards, mm-hmm. and I think he was either playing bass lines with the left hand or it was somehow sequenced in. Maybe they were backing tracks. He would know. I'm assuming you've probably spoken to him, so he would know. And then Neo, who was Mexican or American Mexican on drums. So it was kind of like a multi-international kind of thing, which was really cool in itself. Yeah. So why did you not continue doing stuff? Like, what, how come it all kind of... Well, I remember after the Echo Park gig, we were all kind of like, yeah, this is really good. Because it mm. we had a warm-up a couple of days before, and it sounded really good. We felt really good. I remember you and Kat and everyone was saying, God, that was really, really good. And we were all like, yeah. Let's do more. I think as I guess it was reasons down to Paul, whether it was just we didn't quite get it together. We didn't really do any more writing after that. We might have tried a few things. I don't know. Perhaps things change in his world. I, I don't really know. But it, I mean, had he said, do you want to do some more? Let's do some more. We'd have all said absolutely for sure. Yeah. So it must be his decision or his circumstances that prevented it. I actually don't know. Ange. I don't know what happened. But um 
but yeah, we just did those two shows, and that, yeah. that was kind of it. It's a real shame because it felt like it went had legs. It really did. It felt like yeah. it was something that could work. Yeah. Okay, so tell me a little bit more about the the writing project. Do, do you remember writing Scandalized? Do you remember the process of that? Well, again, I think as I touched on before. Paul would show up and he said, I haven't played bass for however many years it was, but I had a bass here. Mm-hmm. So I put it in his hands and he was like, oh, blimey. <laughs> I don't know how this works anymore. But it was great. He Basically, he had these kind of rough ideas and he had, it was more like he wanted music that had some electronic dance elements to it, some old school soul, funk, R&B, of which things like the Isleys, maybe even Parliament and Funkadelic and stuff like that, which was all good in my eyes. Um, with a little bit of pop and rock. And then the way that Paul vocalised was, it wasn't over melodic, it was rhythmic. And he had this really kind of deadpan, very cool delivery. <laughs> and, and in fact, if you listen closely on some of the, the vocal takes, you can hear his smoky breathing in and out. And it's, and it's actually really atmospheric. It's actually really, really cool. So he would come and we would just build a track, I think. And then we'd say, right, we need, we now need a chorus or we need a bridge or we need something else to, to flesh it out so I think at that point he would say well what do you think and I would say well how about if we go here you know and I was doing it on guitar at the time just because that's my main instrument but then we went back and did stuff on at Fender Rhodes and organ and things the drums were none of it was live we recorded we were probably starting with loops and then I would maybe program some drums to fit in with that so that gave it that sort of electronic dance feel I suppose but also because the, some of these loops are funky old loops from the 70s and whatever, I suppose that gave it that vibe too. Paul would turn up with his, his trailer full of Red Bull and, you know, and his cigarettes. <laughs> so we'd work for half an hour and he'd go out and he'd have a fag and he'd have a couple of Red Bulls and, and I would be tweaking away on stuff and tidying up things and he'd come back in and we'd just do the next bit. I don't have vivid memories of how the tracks really went together, but it's just that we used to build it up and build it up and then you know he went away and I'd tidy things up and I'd come up with some ideas and then he'd come back next week and I'd say, what do you think of this? And he'd go, yeah, that's really good. Or, yeah, that's not quite right. Or how about we take that and tweak it? And and I think that was pretty much the way both songs went. Mm. Um, they were just, they started with his ideas and his vision of what he wanted it to sound like. You know, it was like he had a vibe new music that he wanted to do. Right. Uh, and we just sort of created it that way. Um, and like I said, it was... I had worked like that a few times before, but it was it's very different from how I would do it. And I really enjoyed that because it's it's new and it's fresh and it's interesting. And it and it means it takes you out of your normal box. So you're not doing the same old stuff that you right. normally do or the same process. And it makes it more interesting. And also just getting something Paul, who was obviously I knew of him and is a something of a legend. So I'm sat here next to him and we're just chatting away, getting to know each other, and it was all really good. It was really nice. Oh, God. For somebody like Paul moving to LA when he's no longer in the Mondays, how how difficult do you think it is for somebody like Paul to start again in a new city where he doesn't have any connections? Well, if you have no connections, yeah, I, it would be hard for anyone, I suppose. Mm. I mean, he has a name, but whether or not it's... A, it, you know, the name of the band obviously would mean something. I mean, I don't know how big they were out here. They're well-known underground here, but they're not really well-known enough for it to have been real currency for him. Yeah, and I think with Americans particularly, they do like to be impressed. So yeah. if it's not, if they don't know who you are, 
or it's not a name that, or, you know, a band or whatever, then it would be difficult, yeah. Did you find him shy? Did you find him socially awkward at all or, or, or not? Not when it was just me and him, no. I don't remember him being shy, no. But I can understand if he had been, I suppose. Yeah. Because he was not drinking and, and in an environment where you're surrounded by lots of people yeah. who are it would it's sometimes it's hard to break out and, and get involved I suppose but I know that Dolph always got on really well with him too they had good chats and stuff so and Cat too in fact she really warmed to him as well he was always quite quietly spoken though wasn't he I suppose it would have been easy to mistake that for shyness but I didn't really feel that no. that was the case no. how did you feel when you found out he died I was really sad. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't seen him for a long time, but yeah, I mean, it was yeah, it was really sad. Yeah, very sad. Yeah. But you got your two songs, like you got two little children together. Well, no, that's but yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I'm immensely proud of the fact that I got the opportunity to, to work with him, and that what we did was was really good. So yeah, that was yeah. nice. Yeah. And he was a massive fan of you and your work as well. Like he loved working. Yeah, with you. yeah he always yeah. spoke really, really highly of you. Yeah, and Cap. <laughs> You've talked about the writing of Scandalized, the writing of Real World, going on that little tour, being with Neo and Eddie, meeting him socially. You've talked about your history and your own background. Is there anything else that I've missed? No. Do you remember any any particular events when you were on the road, when you were travelling that day? Any funny stories? <laughs> any... Any you know, it was, I don't really, only that it was just a complete marathon. I mean, it was such a long journey. I think we left Woodland Hills at sort of 11 o'clock in the morning and then got back here because I think Cat dropped me off. And then the, he, he had this, I don't know whether he's rented it or whether it was it, yours, great big Escalade it, thing or whatever. It's rammed to the brim with gear. And there's only four of us in there, but yeah, four of us. But it was full of equipment. But we didn't get back till sort of five o'clock in the morning because you forget it's such a long way. Who did the drive? So, yeah, I mean, I think by the, the journey home was certainly uneventful because we were all just like just trying to stay awake. You know, Paul's knocking back the Red Bulls and steering the ship. He did most of the driving, to be fair to him, which was yeah. very decent. We all took turns in the end. And I think I did one of the final legs as we came out of Ventura. I think I drove us back to Hollywood, back to here, to the, to the flat, yeah. to the apartment here. But it was, yeah, it was either the middle of the night or a very early morning. The sun might even have been just peeking through again by the time we got back. So it, it was a hell of a long day. That's what I remember. <laughs> just how tiring it was. Did he talk much about his Mondays days? Not a great deal. I don't know. I think because there was, I think it wasn't a happy ending oh. from, from what I remember, and particularly his relationship with his brother. Yeah. So I don't think he was particularly keen to... Yeah talk about it so I don't remember pushing him to talk about it just because I don't think he was that comfortable how do you think uh, he handled the kind of the let's so when he was with the Mondays he'd have the, the massive crew there'd be roadies there'd be drivers tour buses and he went from that to driving hiring a car and driving the band with the gear in the back for all how do you think he handled that I, I think he handled it really well I mean he just sort of he just sort of rolled his sleeves up and got on with it. I mean, he was a working class lad from Manchester. I don't suppose yeah. he probably would have forgiven himself if he, if he'd got all on his high horse about it. He'd have probably thought that was a bit poncy. So I think he just got on with it really, like we all did. Yeah. He just sort of 
you know, yeah, I mean, obviously it's been probably a few decades since he had to do it yeah. back in do, the 80s. Do you remember whether he was nervous before the shows? I think he was, yeah, I think he was nervous. I thought he handled it really well. I mean, obviously he w- wasn't a front man before, but he, I remember he stood a couple of hands on the mic and he leaned into it and he got stuck in and I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was rather cool. It was good because he could have just been sort of, you know, gazing at his feet and getting a bit shy and a bit nervous. But I think he, he really, yeah. He, that impression he you, that impression you just did was spot on. Well, there's a picture of it. I forget where I saw it. I might, I think I nicked it off Facebook maybe, or it turned up on my memories of, it might've been a picture that you took or maybe Kat took of the Echo Park gig where oh. I'm on stage right, or is that stage left? I never know which way around it is. And he's in the middle and he's got one hand on here, one hand on here and, because I know what it's like if you're used to playing an instrument on stage when you've just got the mic stand, you don't know what to do with your hands, so you just sort of hang on to dear life and you lean into it. And yeah, I thought he, I thought he was great. And we weren't in excess. He doesn't have to perform like Michael Hutchins or like Tom Jones or anything. Yeah, this is an indie dance thing, yeah. so it's all it's yeah. down the stage craft, as it were. And he just, and he just he drew people in with his presence more than anything but I think he was nervous but not obviously not debilitatingly so because he knocked it out of the park from what I remember again it's all a long time ago so you know. what were Chris and Tina like did you meet them I did briefly they were very sweet very supportive really helpful yeah they we sound checked and they came out and gave it all the thumbs up yeah there were I don't remember there being any issues at all their crew also would have helped us out we would have used their sound man and everybody everyone was really sweet I think they had a lot of respect for Paul because of his relationship with Chris and Tina. So no one was going to mess us about. It was all great. The only, apart from the, the hours put in the drive, other than that, it was, it was yeah. great. So, yeah. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. That's all we have for you this week. We're playing out with the other song that Matt did with Paul, Scandalize. Join us next week for another special bonus edition featuring the mighty, the amazing, really lovely Gaz Wheeler, who's the Monday's drummer, of course, and he's absolutely full of stories. Please join our patrons club by going to patreon.com forward slash the Paul Ryder tapes. Sign up. Even if you can't afford to sponsor the show, we'd love to have you. Join in the chat on our socials and check out the merch in our shop by going to paulrider.tv. Have a fantastic new year, everyone, and thank you so much for being alongside us on this journey. Big love and thanks to Matt Cheadle and, of course, to the man himself, the late, great Paul Anthony Ryder. Lots of love to you all, and see you next week. Bye. It's computerized.
Listening Productions. Yeah.